Welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuck Free Show. Hanging out with you here late night on a Wednesday. Going to be with you till 11 o'clock. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. The smartphone, the Alexa speakers, the tablet, the Atari 2600. You're in television, your Coleco, whatever your device is. Just download on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 910 The Game and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. That would be at JMCH316. That, of course, your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Uh, let me look and see who that is on the other side of the glass. Oh, wait, I forgot. <laughs> How silly of me. We had a soccer match on tonight. So, of course, Dylan is in the house at underscore Dylan Matthews. Yeah, if we have soccer, I can assure you Dylan's going to be around. If we have a show, then, well, it's just, you know, Katie bar the door. Who knows what's going to happen? Here's what I know. Lanny United wins again tonight. 1-0, right? All right, let's see how we do this. So, Chuckery was at Mercedes-Benz on Saturday. That was a victory. Chuckery was here tonight for the Atlanta United match. That was a victory. Somebody might want to get me to Mercedes-Benz on Saturday afternoon to make sure that we win again. Because right now, Doc Sock is just leading the way. You're the good luck charm. I yeah. mean, Doc Sock is is that dude. You're, Doc, you're Doc that Sock dude. Doc Sock is leading the way right now. I'm 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 the guy driving the bus. Right. Soon what, enough, they're putting you in a uniform. What is uh what what does uh, Freaky Deaky say in the mornings? Or whatever, like that. I, I I'm driving the bus. Uh, the the Kool Aid drinking bus. I I I don't know uh, you. Uh, uh. Anyway, um. So we got you for the next hour and 15 minutes here. So Atlanta United stays in the playoff hunt. Big victory tonight. Really good on the road. I will say this. God bless all of those guys that were on the field tonight because that was just a muck fest. You know, it was delayed by lightning. It poured down rain. John Freaky? Yeah, him. Freaky deaky leaky. Uh, that That was just, you know, such a mess to have to play in. So congrats to all the guys for getting all through that, you know, crazy weather and and everything, the game was delayed by, what, almost an hour. You know, 55 minutes uh, is what the delay was on it. So, uh, but great job by Atlanta United. Big 1-0 victory. And now you get ready for, look, the competition amps up, right? You're at home, but you've got some momentum going. You know, you, you scored four goals last Saturday. You know how I know that? Because I was there. So, Philadelphia at home. Look, it's must win right now, right? Because you ain't got much left. Philly at home. Oh, when's the next match after that, Dylan? Uh, I was trying to look and see when their next match is. Is it the uh, following uh, following Sunday or Saturday? Uh, No, Saturday. Atlanta United will be in New England. October 1st. Yeah. So you got Atlanta United this Saturday. And then October 1st, you've got United in New England. Then I think they have one match after that, right? I think it's just that we're down to our last three matches. So still alive, you know, to quote the Bee Gees, staying alive with everything. So um, they're right there. Now, who did not have a good night, though, is or good afternoon, I guess, is the Atlanta Braves as they fall to the Giants 4-1. Uh, to one. Um, Look, we talked about this was a, a sneaky couple of series for the Braves, right? After you played the pig slop, gutter muck, you know, sludge Oakland A's who are a disgrace to the world of baseball. 
you know, a tough series in Miami or a tough series against Seattle, the Mariners. Tough series when you go to San Francisco. They they haven't been great record wise, but they're good at home like they always are, and that's a tough place to go in and play. So look, you know, it is what it is. Tough series. You didn't come out. Okay. Now you get ready for Philadelphia. Let me tell you, Philly is dead square in the playoff race. As of right now, they have a wild card spot, but they're hanging on by a very small margin, and they want to try to keep that number two wild card spot. So going to be an interesting series, you know, with the Phillies coming here this weekend. Now the other good news, though, is that the Cubs are pounding on the Mets right now as they're in the eighth inning. That game is 6-2. to two. Right now, so the Cubs have really helped out the Mets, or Cubs helped out the Mets. The Cubs have really helped out the Braves over these last, you know, couple few nights. So I don't, I didn't even look to see who the Mets have coming up uh, in their next set. But we know the Braves got a day off, and then they'll be here Friday. Uh, obviously, it'll be red shirts, right? It'll be the Braves home red. So that's always awesome. So uh, that's going to be a very interesting series. The Mets, by the way. After they get done, oh God, they 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 come back to um, uh, they're back in uh, New York or well they're they're in New York now to play the the Cubs, but they've got the pig slop disgusting um, scumbag Pittsburgh Pirates. Who, by the way, there's only like four teams in Major League Baseball eliminated from the playoffs. The Scuzz Bucket A's have been eliminated. The Dirtbag Detroit Tigers have been eliminated. And the Scuzz Bucket Pirates are another team that's been eliminated. The Nationals haven't been eliminated I yet? I think the Nationals are, too. Let me okay. see real quick because I'll, I'll tell you who's eliminated from, from the wild. Here's the teams eliminated from the wild card. Scuzz Bucket Tigers, Fleabag Athletics, um, Pawn Scum Cincinnati Reds, the Pig Slop Pittsburgh Pirates, and the um, – Gunk and Muck and Meyer, Washington Nationals. That's the five teams eliminated from the playoffs. So all the scuzz bucket organizations in Major League Baseball, they've been uh, out. But, um, yeah, it, look, tough day at the ballpark, you know, for the Braves. Give the uh, Giants credit. Rodone was terrific, and he's had a really good season, you know, for them. He struck out eight guys in five innings and only threw 71 pitches. His ERA is down to 284. Braves couldn't get anything going offensively. We're going to talk at 10:20. No, sorry, 10:40 tonight. So first off, quick thing of what we got coming up here on the show. Top of the hour, we'll get to a Falcons flyover. 10:20, we'll talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. It is Wednesday, so we preview. We talked about last week, and we'll preview this week's matchup for the Falcons. And 10:40, I want to talk about Matt Olson, and I want to get some of y'all's thoughts about Matt Olson because. The numbers in the second half of the season, the numbers for September, leave a lot to be desired as he took another 0 for 4 with a strikeout today. Now he's officially under 240 for the season. He's now down to 239 for the season. And remember all that on-base percentage? That's gone all the way down to 325. So we'll talk about that at 1040 because I've got some interesting numbers and we'll get your thoughts about uh, all of that. So, but... Um, good win for United uh, tonight. Falcons are back at work. Uh, they get ready for the Rams, who they'll go out to L.A., play the Rams. They'll stay on the West Coast. They'll literally have to get done with the Rams. They'll head up to Seattle, and they'll spend the week in Seattle getting ready. And one good piece of news, and we'll mention this in the, the flyover too, only one player listed on the injury report, one, which is 
obviously what you hope for when, you know, you're out of week one in the regular season. You don't want to be one of those teams that's looking up and you get guys going to miss some significant time and stuff like that. So, um, but again, we'll talk to Tori McElhaney at, uh, at 1020 and uh, we'll get you ready for all your Falcons uh, action uh, out there. But, um, you know, obviously a big win for Atlanta United. It keeps them in the playoff hunt. You know, look, just win. Here's what I'd say. You got three matches left. Go 3-0, and pick up nine points, and let the chips fall where they go. Right? You make the playoffs, outstanding. You don't, hey, you did what you could do at the very end, right? Can't do better than 3-0. and And that would give them five wins in a row. Can't do better than 5-0, and 15 points to end the season on. If that doesn't get you in the playoffs, then... I don't know what else, you know, you know, we could address that at a later time. And you beat the, you know, the the team that, you know, we are, I guess, quote unquote, our rival, right? Although I don't think that they're I don't really consider them our rival as much anymore. I think Charlotte's our 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 geographic rival, and I think the I think the Red Bulls are our real on field rival, right? They, they don't do well down here, we don't do well up there. All right, top of the hour, let's get to a Falcons flyover, some pro football-focused stuff. We'll hear from the head coach, Arthur Smith. All next, Chuck, we're here with you. We'll be up at the top of the hour for one more hour at 11 o'clock. Sports Radio, after the game, odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Now you can listen to the game anywhere in the world. Just go to radio.com and stream us anytime. Using the internet. Stay connected to Atlanta Sports 24-7. Only at radio.com and the radio.com app. Streaming live now. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back in the key studios in the John Chuckery Show, live on this Wednesday evening, 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 92.9, the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, hit us up on our personal Twitter pages. I'm at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. This is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. We will talk to our friend of the show as we do on Wednesdays. Tori McElhaney will join us coming up here at 1020. Um, good news for the Falcons on the injury front. Damian Williams was the only player that was listed on the injury report. So, obviously, look, he was knocked out of the game, lost his wind, but did come back in later on in the game. Now, again, I want Tyler Algier in. Give me Tyler Algier. Can I see him? I don't want to go in another week of I'm short a running back and I can't run Patterson into the ground. Patterson is on pace for 374 carries. I don't think he's going to get to 374. I'm just going to go out and limb. Say he won't be at 374. Okay? By the way, I looked up this stat today. Do you know that there's only three players since the year 2000 who carried it 300 times in a season at 31 years old or 31 years old or older. Only three guys. Curtis Martin did it, Tiki Barber did it, and Thomas Jones did it. That's the only three running backs since the year 2000. I think Emmett did it in 99, and then you got to go back to like John Riggins in 84, Walter Payton in 85, and Tony Dorsett in 85. How far back you got to go for some of those things. A couple thoughts about the snap counts. One is... If you look outside of the offensive linemen, 
five, those five guys played 100% of the snaps. Mariota obviously played 100% of the snaps. But Pitts was at 84% of the snaps. London came in at 72%. So that's the two highest guys after the offensive line and quarterback. That's perfect. I really like this. A.J. Terrell and Jalen Hawkins, 98% of the snaps. They played 60 of 61 snaps. Good. Here's another thing that's good. Eric Harris, remember him with Fabian Moreau and Deron Hart. Remember that group of uh, group of goofballs and TJ Green. Yeah, remember that whole group. Okay, he played one snap on Sunday defensively. One played one snap out of sixty-one. Thank you. The coaches are finally listening to me and realizing what they have and don't have, right? So, love seeing that Grant Hawkins, 98. They played all but one snap. And Eric Harris played one snap. Thank you, God. I could not sit through another year of watching Eric Harris, Fabian Moreau, Deron Harmon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, all good there. Um, Darren Hall, by the way, too, another guy. Uh, two snaps on the day. Good. I'd say, I'll, I'll say good on all that. But anyway. All right. This is a very interesting stat from Pro Football Focus. Perfectly covered plays. What is a perfectly covered play? It is where every coverage player on the field earns a coverage grade of zero or better on a single play. Okay? So everybody in a passing situation earns a zero or better grade on a play, okay? The team that had the most perfectly covered plays was the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. This is interesting. We talked about the Saints going after A.J. Terrell. We talked about the Saints going after uh, Casey Hayward. We talked about Jameis Winston having a perfect quarterback rating. The Falcons had the third, yes, they had the third fewest perfect covered plays in the league in week one. The Seahawks, Commanders, and Chargers finished with fewer perfectly, a a lower percent of perfectly covered plays than the Falcons. So the metrics bear out that I understand not everybody likes sabermetrics, analytics, metrosexual stats, and all that kind of stuff, right? But in this case, that's where there were some breakdowns in coverage and soft zone and different things like that, right? That it bears out that the Falcons didn't have as many as those really good coverage plays that we've come to expect out of A.J. Terrell and obviously hope for out of Casey Hayward. So, again, that has to be one of those, because let me tell you what doesn't get easier. You, You know the Rams have the Offensive Player of the Year from last year, right? You know they have the Super Bowl MVP from last year, right? Okay. Just want to be sure we remembered all that. And it doesn't get easy. And by the way, you know, the next week, Tyler Lockett and those guys, you know, you're always going to see good receivers, tight ends, and things in the in the league. So this is where you want to see Hayward and A.J. Terrell have a bounce back. And look, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Terrell, arguably the two best cover corner guys last year in the NFL. Neither guy had a really good game, right? You know that if nothing else, those two guys want to show the world who the best coverage corner is, right? Cornerbacks have that gunslinger mentality. 
So they want to show everybody who's the best, who's the best of the best of the best of the best, quote Will Smith. All right, let's get to some audio. Let's uh, hear from the head coach uh, today. He was asked about the uh, three new starters on the Rams' offensive line. Well, I mean, every week there's matchups. You know, you're, you're looking at it, both teams. You know, they spend a lot of time uh, studying and where do you think you can get an advantage and, or vice versa. So um, you, you look at everything, you know, the scheme, personnel, uh, the play callers, all that stuff you take into account as you form your plans. Well, look, uh, here's what I know. They gave up seven sacks last week. And that's why, that, that'll cause teams to make changes week over week. Got to get home, son. Got to get home. Dial up the pressure. I don't care if you have to blitz. I don't care what you have to do. If you can get home with four, that's great. If you can't, dial it up. Let's go. I, I, here's what I need. To quote the great Bo Bach, I need full tilt boogie on Sunday. I need full tilt boogie for my defensive line on Sunday. All right, let's hear from Arthur Smith talking about winning situational football. There's a reason it's four quarters. It's NFL. The reason most of these games come down to one possession, one way or another. There's a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches. You got it. You got opportunities. Nobody's making a mistake on purpose, but you don't capitalize in the red zone. It usually comes back. You look at red zone. Certainly, you can look at third down. You know, into half in the games. So that's why you got to stay dialed in. You know, if you want to go back to look at Sunday, the easy narrative is to blame one play. That's never the way it goes. There's a cause and effect to everything that, that, that can lead to these situations. So you go back and you need to make sure you win situational football. Well, he's right. And one of the things that has to change, Coach, is your red zone because Kyle Pitts and Drake London can't have zero red zone targets. Those guys caught two passes in New Orleans territory on Sunday. Two. One was from a 34-yard line, uh, and one was, and the other one was from the 30-yard line, I believe. Pitts was targeted twice at the 25. No targets in the red zone. No catches in the red zone. Can't be that way this weekend. Can't have two top 10 draft picks at pass catcher and not target. Because let me tell you what's not going to happen. If the Rams get in the red zone, you think they're not going to target Cooper Cup? Think they're going to forget about him? Okay. What, do you have 1,000 touchdowns last year? One more from uh, Arthur talking about Cooper Cup and what makes him so special. You know, he knows how to get open, knows how to very crafty leverage, and so that can make him difficult. So when you get a players like that, guys that historically can work in the slot, they can take advantage. Maybe it's as simple as they're going to be where you're not. So he knows enough. And he's very smart. That's what you can tell about instinct. And he knows where to find those voids and snap it down. And understanding the coverages. Uh, reminds me a lot of Wes Welker. Wes Welker was another guy who was great at getting open. Now, Cup's a better player. Welker was a hell of a player. But Cooper Cup is like Wes Welker in the sense of when you talk about finding a way to get open, Welker was like that. He did that for years, both in Miami and for New England and Tom Brady. Great at getting open. And look, Cooper Cup's a handful, man. He's an outstanding player. Again, a third-round guy. Think he's outplayed his contract, right? Getting the big-time money. All right, let's hear from the quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Um, talking about I'll slide if I have to, but I want to stay competitive. Over the course of my career, I've been tentative in sliding, and I think for me, I, I don't want to play that way. I don't want to play tentative. I want to play you know, fast, and I want to be really just going out there and, and not worrying about anything. So if it, if it comes naturally to slide, I will. Um, but I'm not going to take away the competitiveness. Uh, Dylan, ask me if Marcus Mariota has a history of staying healthy. Does Marcus? No. Mar- 
<laughs> no, he doesn't. No. So I appreciate his answer. You know, the old saying about, you know, you don't cage a wild animal. Okay, slide, baby. What, what was that song? Slide. Slide. Right? That's what Marcus Mariota's got to do. Get down, son. Because you can't turn the – here's more important. You can't turn the football over. You can't lose the ball and turn it over. Here's uh, Mariota talking about the Rams defense having all pros at every level. They've got three levels of all pro players, right? You got a guy in the, the front seven, you got another guy in the intermediate, and you got a guy in the back end. So I think that's a great challenge, especially for this team who is young and who's kind of still learning the ropes of this league. Because that's what it is. Week in and week out, you're going to play some of the best players in the world. And you just got to look at it as a great opportunity. And I'm excited for our guys. We're going to compete. You know, we'll see, see where that takes us. Well, it's not just that they have three levels of players and all that. And, and he's right. Okay? Let me tell you what they've got. Maybe the best interior defensive lineman in the history of the NFL. Arguably the best cover corner in the NFL, right? They they got a lot of those kinds of guys that are roaming around out there. Troy Hill ain't bad either, but they got a lot of those guys roaming around out there. So, yeah, they've got playmakers on their defense. Got to find a way to get it done. All right, when we come back, Tori McElhaney will join us. We'll talk some Falcons football with her, of course, from Atlanta Falcons Dot com and is our Wednesday weekly conversation with Tori. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Nights with John. We should be so lucky. It's the John Chuckery Show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Wednesday evening as we get ready for week number two for the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously a disappointing result in week one, but a lot of good things to take away from it. Now the Falcons get ready to spend a couple of weeks out on the West Coast as it'll be the Rams and then they'll go to Seattle. Here to help us break it all down, it's our weekly conversation with our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney is joining us. She, of course, is uh, the one of the digital reporters for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can check out Tori on Twitter at Tori underscore McElhaney. AtlantaFalcons.com is where you can check out all of her work. Tori, as always, appreciate the time. Is um, You know, unfortunately, didn't go the Falcons' way. A lot of good takeaways, but at the end of the day, look, the NFL is a net results business. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think you – when I was – thinking about this game and it's really hard to get past what happened in the fourth quarter but I I do think that there is some solace in in kind of seeing a team that played really well for the first three I mean there were some good things that I saw I didn't see a one-dimensional offense I saw a multi-dimensional offense and you saw the Falcons defensive line get after Jameis Winston in those first three quarters I mean but the thing is, you can't just take those first three quarters, just like you just can't take the fourth quarter. I mean, it's a complete game for a reason. You play four quarters for a reason. So as much as as much good as I think there was in the first three quarters, it is tough. It is a tough pill to swallow looking at that fourth quarter to be like the Falcons should have won that game. Let's look at a few things here. Let's start first with Patterson. Obviously, he had a monster game. I thought the offensive line – Really paid well. I thought the changes that they made. I mean, Wilkinson ended up with the highest 
Pro Football Focus pass grade, um, which I don't think we'd ever seen that last year. But anyway, but I thought Patterson really ran the football well, five and a half yards per attempt. The 22 carries. So I understand with Damian Williams getting hurt and going out, they were thin and they weren't really going to use Avery Williams per se. So I guess kind of two parts. One is it seems like to me that Tyler Algier needs to be active the rest of the way. You can't tell me honestly to rely on Damian Williams. And the second part is, you know, we talked a lot about this last year, Tori, about the workload for Cordell Patterson. What do you think a – a reasonable expectation about a number of carries per game or touches per game for Patterson. Do you think that they're looking for? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was what it was. I don't think it should be going forward what it was on Sunday. I'll say that. I I think you should look at it more less, less than the number of carries that he had then going back to the first part of your question though, about Tyler Algier, I think I was very surprised when I got the inactive list and I saw his name because that to me almost felt like a no brainer that you have him up. And when Arthur Smith was asked about that, he he said, he was like, you know, it's about special teams and we, we saw some value with some other guys on special teams. And, but then you have guys like Felipe Franks and Jared Bernhardt who are up and active on game day and we don't really see them at all. And you wonder, and then, of course, Damian Williams gets hurt, and you are immediately very thin at running back. And so I, I'm on the same page as you. I think moving forward we have to see Tyler Algier active, especially if Damian Williams is working through a rib injury, which he did not participate in practice today. So I, I'm on the exact same page as I think, like, Tyler Algier has shown us enough in the preseason to feel as though we can rely on him in this offense. And so I I do think that there is so much more value in keeping Tyler Algier up than maybe some other people that they had to make some decisions on. Now, I think it is, I think moving forward, that's something that we will see. I, I don't expect to see Tyler Algier down again for the second week in a row, I, especially with what we now saw happen on Sunday with Damien Williams. So, so for that, that that's kind of my spiel about, about that whole thing. And I think because of that, you can't give Cordero Patterson the number of carries that you did on Sunday every single week. That's not going to work. I mean, he even joked after the game in the locker room. He was like, yeah, no, I was tired. It's like, yeah, yeah, the guy ran hard. Like, he had a career day. You can't put that on him week after week after week. So there has to be – you have to strike a balance and you have to strike it with, I think, Tyler Algier in that rotation. Yeah, 374 carries is his pace for the year. That's uh, That'd be be one of the all-time records. Uh, I mean, Jamal ran it 410 times in 98 to give you some perspective. One of the other things, Tori, that I think has to change immediately is – Drake London and Kyle Pitts caught two passes total on the New Orleans side of the football field. Nothing in the red zone, no targets, no catches in the red zone. They did target Pitts a couple of times in the 25, but only two catches on the New Orleans side of the football field. I understand philosophy-wise they want to be a power run and they get down, but you also have the number four overall pick and the number eight overall pick, your first two draft picks in this regime that are pass catchers that I'm curious to see how much that changes this week as far as trying to get those guys involved in the offense. In the right. Red, in the well, red I think, zone, let me say. I, I guess yes, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think you're you're right in, in thinking that way because I think that way too. I mean, all we heard about Drake London and about Kyle Pitts in the pre-draft process for both of those guys over the last two years was the assets that they can be in the red zone. And so for us to be sitting here talking about Kyle Pitts, who has one touchdown catch as, over the course of the last year that he's been in the league, like that's crazy to me because all we heard when he was coming up through the draft was, oh, this is a guy who's going to change the way that you can run your red zone offense. And similar things said about Drake London. So getting them involved inside the 20 is so important. It's vitally important because you go back to what I was saying before about not getting one-dimensional. The more involved you have those guys, the less one-dimensional you are because you know that Cordero Patterson has shown that he can run the ball and run the ball hard. So with all that being said, in order to stay multidimensional, you have to involve Kyle Pitts and Drake London in the red zone. I think it changes the scope of what you can do offensively. And I mean, these are big targets. Like when you talk about throwing the 50-50 ball to them, I feel pretty confident that either one has the athletic ability, one, the height, two, just to bring the ball down. I feel I, if it's a 50-50 ball we're talking about, I feel confident throwing it just up and hoping that they can get it. I feel okay with that. It's our weekly Wednesday conversation with Tori McElhaney. She, of course, from AtlantaFalcons.com, covering all things Atlanta Falcons here on the WaitFor.com hotline. So I thought a couple of players, and I want to get your thoughts about who you thought. When, when I talk about sneaky good performances on, on Sunday, not maybe, you know, stood way out or whatever like that, but I thought Kadero Hodge and I thought Jalen Hawkins both had really nice performances for their roles and I saw the snap counts that, you know, it was great to see both Grant and Hawkins play the vast majority of snaps on on defense. Who were there any was there anybody that kind of sort of maybe under the radar stood out to you on Sunday as well? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up both Richie and Jalen because those were definitely going to be the two that I, I was going to say because I think when I think back to the to that game on Sunday, I know a lot of people are harping on what we saw in the fourth quarter and how Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry did what they did and Jameis Winston found all these guys and he had over 200 passing yards. And I think that's all fair to talk about 100%. But I do think that even in that, and when you take the full four quarters for what they were, I was really pleased by what I saw from Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant in their first, honestly, their first time as a safety tandem in this league. And, I mean, these are two young guys. And I think for them to go out in week one and perform the way they did, I was very pleased by what I saw. And I think it was interesting even Arthur Smith was asked about Richie Grant and I thought he paid him a a very good compliment in that he said we could feel Richie Grant and we could feel his impact I think that was if you're talking about compliments like that to me spoke a lot if you if you can feel someone out on the field that's so important especially defensively so because of that I definitely would include Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins in that conversation Tori, uh, we got word yesterday they did some restructuring of Deion Jones' contract, and we know he's on IR. And uh, look, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, they they the Falcons really can't make it clear that they're trying to move on from Deion Jones. I mean, the, this is not about clearing up cap space. You, what you did was you made it easier for a team to pick him up where. 
okay, we don't have to talk about like in Baker Mayfield situation. Well, how much money are the Panthers going to pick up versus the Browns and this and the other? This makes it pretty clear, cut, and dry. The likelihood that Deion Jones plays again for the Atlanta Falcons, I think it's, I think it's none. I think it's zero yeah. percent. What's kind of your gut telling you about where we're at, especially after the move we saw yesterday? Yeah, I mean, my gut's kind of telling me the same thing. I mean, if I were to sit here and say, like, oh, yeah, I think that Dion's going to come back after four games on IR and he's going to come in and play, you know, significant snaps and significant reps that very first week being back inactive, like, or being active, like, I don't think I could say that. I really, truly don't. I don't feel in my heart of hearts that that's something that would happen. I think even when we were talking about Dion coming off of PUP during training camp to potentially get some reps going into that Jacksonville game. I mean, Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith said it as, I feel like as plainly as you can say it, where it's like, we're not going to take away reps from Michael Walker and Rashawn mm-hmm. Evans. And we still need to see what, what Troy Anderson can do. I mean, <laughs> because of that, and because of those comments alone, I don't feel confident in saying like, oh yeah, we're going to see Deion Jones like enacted and we're going to see him, come through and be the Deion Jones and the starter that he was before. I don't think I can say that in, in, in my heart of hearts. I don't think I can say that. And, and especially now considering the, the way that this reported uh, con- roster construction and uh, contract construction, all of that, it's really, I think it's really hard to be like, yeah, we're going to see Deion Jones at some point in the next two months. I I don't think so. As we look ahead to the Rams, I thought one of the things that the Saints did a good job of is is going after the corners of of Atlanta. And, you know, again, if you look at pro football focus grades, neither Hayward nor Terrell graded out very high. Um, Obviously, we know kind of Terrell was picked on. But it doesn't get easier this week. It's the Offensive Player of the Year from last year and in Cooper Mm -hmm. Cup amongst a group of really good wide receivers. How much of an emphasis has there been this week about, you know, getting Hayward and Terrell to where, okay, we put them in situations where, you know, it may be one-on-one, but we also got to make sure we keep our pass rush up. And uh, it just, you know, the the Rams are probably going to do the same thing. They're going to try to probably go after the corners and, you know, hopefully it's a better result. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's their game. That's how we know they play the game. I mean, and I, I think if you're A.J. Terrell and, and you're Casey Hayward, this is a, a duo that I think everyone going into this year was like, this is one of the best cornerback duos in the league. And I don't think that changes based on one performance in week one. I, I really don't. And I would even say I don't think that changes – <laughs> one performance in week one, one quarter. I think we are still going to see A.J. Terrell be A.J. Terrell. I think we're still going to see Casey Hayward have – do some Casey Hayward things. I mean, for me, when I look at this group, it doesn't particularly worry me what we saw uh, Jameis Winston and uh, Michael Thomas do to both of those guys last week. Um but it is one of those things that I think, like, there needs to be, like, a confidence boost. And this is a good opportunity because you do know that Matthew Stafford's going to go after these guys. That's how this offense runs. It's how it's operated. So if they can come up and make some good plays and maybe get some confidence back and to be like, yeah, we are one of the best duos at the cornerback position in the league and, like, show that, that would be really, really important, not just for this week, but as you move forward into the next few weeks. 
Tori, last question, just a minute left. Uh, you know, I know the schedule is what it is, but it does feel like if you have to go out on the West Coast and travel that far and spend a couple weeks out there, having it be the second and third game of the season, I think that this is a benefit to the Falcons. And, you know, before there's a lot of beat-up factor and just kind of being worn down by a season or anything, I think at least this trip comes at a good time for an NFL team. I do, too. I 100% do. I mean, you think about where the Falcons are right now. They're pretty healthy. I mean, knock on wood, you only have Damian Williams who's working through that rib thing that he's got going on. But when you think about he he went into the locker room, but he was back in the fourth quarter. So I'm not completely thinking that he'll be out at all on Sunday. I think there's a good chance that we see him in L.A. So that's really the only injury you're talking about. And with Drake London, we talked to him today, and someone asked, you know, how are you feeling after – you know, your first first game out there, and he said, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. And, you know, he was like, I think it's fair to say that I'm at 100%. So in terms of the injury bug or anything like that, the Falcons are in a really, really good spot. So when you're going up against the reigning Super Bowl champions and when you're going up against the Seahawks where you are away for like seven days, and you are on a different, you're on a different coast, you're in a different time zone, all of those things, I think when you come into it pretty darn close to 100% health-wise, that's as good as you're going to get. There are very, I mean, you, if we're talking about this trip in week 9, 10, it's probably a way different conversation. Yeah, so let's hope for a different uh, result. Uh, we'll find out what happens, of course, on Sunday afternoon. You can check out all of Tori's work at AtlantaFalcons.com. Follow her on her Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. She joined me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Tori, as always, thanks so much. We will chat again next Wednesday. Awesome. Sounds good. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio, now to the game and the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at the John Chuckery Show, hanging out at the Key Studios on this Wednesday evening. Got the Brown Liquor Music Hour going right along. Atlanta United won tonight. Braves did lose. We'll talk about that in just a second here. 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. That's also our phone line. Dylan, I'm going to open up the phones. There's anybody out there that wants to talk a little bit about this situation. So we'll open up the phone lines to you because I'm going to talk about Matt Olson and the Braves uh, here. Uh, top of the hour, JR Sports Brief. Will be coming up. So if you want to hit us up at 404-741-0929, phone line, Solomon Rose, Diamond text line, at JMCH316, at underscore Dylan Matthews, at 910 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We said the Braves lost uh, today, so finished, you know, what, 2-2 two and two on that trip with, uh, with the uh, Mariners and Giants. Not an easy time. Thankfully, the Mets lose, and they're losing 6-2 here to the Cubs and all this, that, and the other, so... Um, you know, all good there. Now the Braves get the Phillies on Friday. Mets get the Pirates. Okay. But one guy that's got to get it cranked up and going is Matt Olson. Listen to these numbers. Okay. Uh, which one you want first, Dylan? You want since the all-star break or you want the month of September? Let's go since the all-star break. 48 games since the all-star break. This includes, this includes, um, no, it does not include today's stats because he went, what did he do today? Oh, for, he went 0 for 4 with a strikeout. Sheesh. Okay. So this is, this does not count the 0 for 4 with a strikeout today. 48 games, 
205 plate appearances, 11 homers, 31 RBI, 211 batting average, 302 on base, 433 slugging Mm. for a 736 OPS. Mm. In the month of September, 45 plate appearances. He's hitting 105 with a 244 on base and a 184 slugging. He's four for 38. He's got a 429 OPS, a homer, and four RBI. Now, I said he's four for 38. He has 13 strikeouts. So he's got three times as many strikeouts as he does hits in this month. He's got 13 strikeouts, six walks, four hits. That ain't real good. For the year, this is his pace. So I want to bring this part up first. You know how much we heard about how good a defensive player, obviously, Olsen is. His defensive war for the year, defensive wins above replacement, right? It's an easy metric to to figure out. Minus .3. So he's basically not above an average defensive replacement at first base. He's played average. He grades out as an average defender. This is where he is pacing for the year. 32 homers, 103 RBI, 85 runs scored, 77 walks. So that would be 11 less walks year over year. That would be seven less homers year over year. That would be eight less RBI year over year. That would be 16 less runs scored year over year. His batting average would be 31 points less year over year. His on-base percentage would be 44 points less than last year. And his OPS would be 114 points below last year. Now, I know we got time, and he can get hot, and he can change that around. But right now, 143 games in. By the way, you know he leads the majors in games played. He's played every game this year. Hasn't missed a game. 143 games. Leads the league in games played. So he should be in the rhythm. Or he needs a rest. Right. Needs a day that off. Too. Yeah. You know, and I know we don't have a lot of great options at first base, but they got to get Olsen going because it's not been good. And if you're going to keep hitting him clean up, if you're going to, you know, I listen, if you told me Snicker dropped him down to seven, wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't be mad at all if he dropped him down to the number seven spot, even if that meant playing Marcelo Zuna out in left field and hitting him above Matt Olson. And I understand you want Matt Olson to be your cleanup guy and all this, that, and the other. And I get that. But his offensive season this year leaves a lot to be desired. And I remember, and I'm not going to pick on these guys because I think we all thought Matt Olson would come here. Look, Oakland Alameda Coliseum is not a good place to hit. It's never been a good place to hit. Has a lot of foul ground territory. So you get a lot of outs that normally would be foul balls in other places. And it's just a, it's always been a pitcher's park versus a hitter's park. And I know our guy, Freaky Deaky Leaky, from the morning show, They remember when they talked about, start, hey, spray chart, spray chart. We got the... Hey, the Freaky? Yeah, him. Remember all the home runs that if they were hit here in Truist would be home runs? Okay, well, that's not come to fruition. 
And look, for anybody, and I know the first thing people, well, he's adjusting to a new league. All right, Dylan, ask me what Mookie Betts did in his first year in the National League coming from the American League. What did Mookie Betts do coming? He won the, he was second in the MVP voting and won the World Series with the Dodgers in his first year. Okay? it's pretty good. So, I don't want to hear about Matt Olson and adjusting. Mookie Betts adjusted. They won the World Series. And remember how good he was in that Braves playoff series in 2020? They won the World Series, and he finished second in the MVP voting. You can come over from one league to the next and adjust, especially when you have the depth of the lineup around you that Matt Olson does, who's got hitters all up and down the roster. And think about throwing Harris and Grissom in the middle of all that, too. All of the guys that they've had contribute. And it's not been a bad year because, look, 32 homers and 103 RBI and 85 runs scored, nothing to sneeze at. But for a guy who put up a big year last year in a tough-hitting ballpark, by the way, you know he's hit more homers on the road this year than he's hit at home. And he's played one more game at home. He has 72 games at home, 71 games on the road now, which includes today. 72 on the at home, 71 on the road. He's hit more he's hit two more homers on the road than he's hit at Truist Park for a left-handed power hitter. Now you can miss me with the whole doubles argument. Okay? He's not Earl Webb or Charlie Geringer. Google that, kids. I don't care about doubles. They paid him 140 million to hit fly balls into the chop house in right field and drive in everybody standing on base. 40 homers, 1,000 RBIs is what we pay him for, not 45 doubles. Save that for George Brett. All right, wrapping things up with a love TKO up next. Chuck Rennie, Key Studio, Sports Radio, the game, Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Wrapping things up on the John Chuckery Show. You know how we do it with the love TKO, as always. We'll uh, talk about the schedule coming up for the rest of the week here. But before we get into all of that, let me let you have a listen to what is the greatest opening lyric in all of music history. All right, no show tomorrow because we've got Thursday night football. So I think Bo and uh, Chris do that half-hour show, right? So Thursday night football tomorrow. By the way, that's that's this is the first game that's on, um, what is it, uh, Ganges Prime or Nile Prime or what is it? Amazon Prime. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Um, so it's on, it, it's on the, what is it? Amazon Prime. Okay, so it's on the, you know, Ganges River Prime or whatever <laughs> they got going on. So that's the first game, right? Because last week that game was on. It was NBC. Yeah, that was because it was Tariko. Tariko was yep. calling that game. So yep. this will be Al Michaels and that god-awful Kirk Street. Speaking of pawn scum, sludge, muck, and mire, anyway. 
Um, and then Friday, of course, we got the high school football show. Are you out in the field? No, I'm back here. Okay, where are you? Uh, you're, you're back here. What's the big game this Friday? Oh, that's a good question. I need to look back nice at going. the uh, good schedule. Job. Way to go. Way to, way to be on you top. You caught me off guard, Chuck. I know. caught you off guard. You, you're, you're the producer and the field guy for the show, the high school day, show. Day Day comes up with the with the, the oh. matchups and where we go. Lord I just I just push the buttons and make it all sound good. All right, so I'll be back with you on Saturday morning, early on Saturday morning. Man, that's felt early being started at 8 o'clock in the morning because you got to, you know, let me put it this way. Last week when I came down here, it was dark when I left. So uh, we got the college football show on Saturday. Crazy weekend in college football. Tons of upsets and a lot of people that did not cover uh, over the weekend. And then, of course, Hugh Douglas and I will have the Wade Ford tailgate show on Sunday. As uh, excited to see what the Falcons do. You know, let's see what happens. Look, win and control the line of scrimmage in the NFL. You can be in and have a chance to win every single game. I don't care how big the talent gap is. If you can win the line of scrimmage in the NFL, you have a chance to win. All right, we got to get out of here. JR Sports Brief up next. For Dylan, it's Chuckery. We'll see you. Bye.